0: To another edition of the Timbered Field Report, I'm Kyle Garvello, as always, joined by Mr. Drew Olson. Mr. Drew Olson, how are you?
1: I'm just dandy.
0: How are you, dude? Oh, PG Keen. PG Keen. We actually have a guest today. We're uh, we're gonna get back into the swing of things and have a guest as often as possible on our regular show today of the uh, the Blue Ridge Rangers, Eric Jones. Eric, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. Thanks for coming on. Yeah so we had a game again that's exciting yeah it was uh it
1: was exciting to see soccer played by timbers players
0: i thoroughly enjoyed the fact that i had something to distract me from the current climate that is our country so that was nice i i appreciated that
1: yeah man scary times scary times
0: yeah i uh think we all appreciate a bit of a, a bit of soccer and something to talk about that's not depressing
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to get into the country as an immigrant, so I guess that's yeah. good. Yep. I, wonder, I wonder if our new archaic uh, immigration system will have any effect on transfers and technology. Obviously, have- that matters about as much as nothing compared to you know, these refugees that are tr- coming in. But
0: No, and it's funny you said that, too, because I was reading the uh, Jeff Carlisle just posted something on Twitter about the the Blanco Watch. And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, is this going to affect him coming in? Uh, it doesn't really matter, in the grand scheme, but yeah. just when you mentioned that, and I thought of that two seconds ago. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into it. Eric, how would you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, like, Who are you? Where are you from?
2: I am from Portland originally. Um, grew up there. Uh, went to college out here in Virginia, where I am now, then moved back to Portland for – about 20 years, and now I'm actually back in the town uh, where I went to college, and my wife is currently a professor at the university here. Okay, cool. So basically I'm almost i 48 years old, and I've lived two places my entire life, Portland, Oregon, and Lexington, Virginia, both places twice. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. There you go. <laughs> it's an interesting combo. <laughs> yeah, 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 they're sort of uh, polar opposites in lots of ways. Yeah,
0: yeah I can understand that. <laughs> uh, so I guess question. Here is uh, how did you become a Timbers Thorns fan, and uh, I mean, do you started uh, your kind of regional supporters group out there.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up um, with the old NASL Timbers. I mean, I wish I could say, you know, as a you know twelve or thirteen year old, I was like a you know super um, crazy knowledgeable fan. Um, but uh, my friend's dad used to always take our um, our youth soccer team to games, so um, saw some games there. Um, then I kind of um, got, became more of a fan during the USL days. Um, I wasn't really into Timbers Army back then. I used to sit, and uh, you guys remember, like in the old, before they renovated um, the stadium, they had that kind of Widmer um, beer garden right down there on the field level. I used to sit down there all the time. Um, and then I moved um, out to Virginia uh, r- during that last season. So I wasn't around when um, the MLS team started. Um, and, uh, but I was, you know, I was still a fan and then I kind of, you know, I think part of just being excited about that, um, you know, stepping up to MLS and also just looking for ways to, you know, stay connected with, you know, my home cause I love Portland. Um, I, I joined Timbers Army then, as I guess that would have been that first MLS season and quickly found the East coast platoon people on Facebook and, you know, everything, it's, you know, been more and more involved ever since then. It's like a happy Ridge, family here, right? Yeah. <laughs> as far as Blue Ridge Rangers go, I mean, honestly, I mean, we really just consider ourselves part of East Coast Platoon. That just sure. started, you know, during, um, you know, there, there, there were a group of, you know, five or ten of us here in central Virginia that sort of found each other and would get together to watch games. Or if we weren't watching games... Um, together we'd all be on Facebook sending each other you know, group messages as the games went on. And then we just decided that you know if we formed our own little subgroup, it just, just would make it easier to communicate with each other, you know arrange meetups and also find sure. other people in our area. So that's sort of how the blue Rangers Ridge started. And so we there's maybe, like I said anywhere' between five to ten of us who are active at any one time, although we have 80 people now I think in the group. Um, and we usually get together in Charlottesville, Virginia to watch games. Very cool.
1: So tell us a little bit about uh, the away, or I guess first go through the away days that you've been to, and then uh, maybe tell us your favorite.
2: Um, I usually make it to two or three a year. So I've been to the last couple in Washington, uh, up in Chester, uh, in Columbus, and down in Orlando last year, and then the championship match also a couple years ago. Very cool. Um, As far as my favorite one, sorry, (laughs) No, you've never been in New York. No, I haven't. It's always, oh, really? and I don't think I'm going to make it this year either. I think I'm actually going to be in <laughs> Portland when that game <laughs> is going. On. I thought Maybe when is that one? I might make it. I don't September don't 9th. Oh, no, I'll be around. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be around for that. Um, all the ones that are early in the season that are kind of dry, the most drivable for me, like Columbus, I'm actually going to be in Portland. So I'm going to miss, <laughs> I think I can make as many away days this year as I, I did last year. Um, yeah. So what was your favorite? Oh, favorite. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, aside from the championship match, obviously, I think actually my favorite was probably the Columbus game that year, uh, which was a couple months before that. Because, you know, whether it's a game in Portland or one of the away days, I have like a special knack for picking games that we lose. And so that was like one of the first ones in a long time that we actually won. Um, And there was – I mean, I like Columbus for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think those guys got a lot of bad press – after the championship match for all the stuff, throwing beer and stuff onto the field. But like, I think really those guys are like some of my favorite fans. Totally. I mean, totally. wander over to the tailgate. They hang out. They're totally nice. Um, There's happy to, I mean, they genuinely want, they genuinely want to meet, you know, supporters of other teams. And that's what I feel like, you know, soccer doesn't have to be this huge, like, you know, rivalry where you're, you know, getting in fights in back alleys, you know, and it shouldn't be like that. And those guys, you know, you, you hang out, you share a, bear, a beer, and then you go into the game, and then you scream at each other for ninety minutes, and have another beer afterwards. Um, but you know, we had a bunch of guys come over the tailgate. There was that um, wedding going on at the yeah. church right yeah. next to our tailgate that we were singing to. Uh, I remember Travis Hefner like leading uh, leading songs for those guys as they came out, the bride and groom as they came out of the church. So I mean, that was just a good time. And, like I said, we won. And it was great to be able to go back there a couple of months after that and, you know, watch the Timbers win again.
1: This is a, this is a great one. And just to kind of expand on your point is, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm making this up, but it feels like maybe we have some sort of kinship with Columbus just because it's kind of like, you know, it's a small market. It's, you know, there's one other pro team in the in the town or whatever. And um, I don't know. Everybody's nice. I don't know. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Portland and the supporters culture and that sort of thing. Obviously, they've been in MLS longer, and they don't have a long, as long a history. But um, yeah, just sort yeah, of a kinship there, and everybody's super nice. Yeah,
0: I've never been, so I don't it's, know. It's a good one. It's yeah, it's definitely
1: people. Uh, you know, obviously MLS Cup is huge, but that was like I don't know, Eric, if you, if you have thoughts on this, but that it didn't even feel like an away day, just because oh, no. there yeah. were like you know whatever five thousand, four thousand timber stands there, um, but. In that that game, like a couple of months beforehand, it was one of our smaller away days. I would say, you know, there's probably I don't know, fifty people, maybe a hundred or two. Uh, definitely yeah. only like fifty at the tailgate, I think. And uh, it was just a much. It was cool, just lots of folks coming over and saying hello, and yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah Columbus is definitely a stadium. Uh, it's on my list to visit. So. Yeah, actually, make it and, the
1: and next year. stadium gets a lot of guff, but it, I think it's a really cool place to watch a soccer game. I'm sure they'll be extorting the local community for a new stadium anytime now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you kind of coordinated the Blue Ridge Rangers in the Martin Luther King Parade, correct? You had a, you had a yeah. hand in that. Yeah, like, are,
2: yeah.
0: You want to talk about that a little bit? How that kind of came about, and
1: yeah, give us the story of the parade, and then
2: how you guys okay fit in there. Um, well it's really the roots of it go back a couple of years. Um, Lexington has sort of, you know, the distinction, I guess, if, uh, for lack of a better word of being the uh, burial place for both Robert E. Lee and, um, Stonewall Jackson. So it's sort of this, uh, pilgrimage site, uh, for America's uh, most famous um, traders. Yeah. <laughs> for certain, certain types of people. Um, and so, at any given time during um, the year, you can you know walk downtown in Lexington and see someone walking around with the Confederate flag because I mean they're coming to you know whatever pay tribute or something. Which is just it's a strange thing for me because like uh, being from Portland, I mean the Civil War was something we studied like a week yeah. in like sixth grade, and then I came to college out here, um, and it was kind of strange. And then I came back here, and even now it's just it's like tensions are a lot higher. I think you know I think that's just – you know, probably a reflection of the current uh, political climate, but um, in the last couple of years, things have
1: well. Having a racist as president, yeah,
2: that'll that'll do it. Can't elevate yeah. yeah. the <laughs> um, A couple of years ago, well, actually going back even further. So I guess this—I don't—I'm not really up on this history very well, but um, I guess when Martin Luther King Day became a national holiday, the state of Virginia linked it to lee jackson day which celebrates the birthdays of um lee and jackson um so that was like you know obviously a uh, super uh, thoughtful uh, considerate thing to do uh it makes perfect and sense i get it yeah right so i think i want to say like lee jackson day is on friday and mlk day is on monday so everyone gets yeah, you get a, a you know a, a four-day weekend and you know if you're racist you can celebrate on friday and if you're not you can celebrate on monday um <laughs> and so that so, for that holiday, for Lee Jackson Day, all these kind of neo Confederate flagger groups used to apply for permits to hang Confederate flags from all the light posts in town for that whole weekend. Um, and so you, so then it'd be like MLK Day and you'd walk through town and it's like full of Confederate flags everywhere. Um, and so the, the, the city council four or five years ago decided to put an end to that, and what they did rather than, you know, sort of paint themselves into a sort of a legal, um, you know, a, a corner with, that would have legal ramifications, they just said, look, okay, the only flags you can ever hang from the light posts are uh, U.S. flags and state of Virginia flag. Nobody else can do it, which is fine. Um, and so these flagger groups got really mad about that. So then they that started this thing where every – Every year on Lee Jackson Day, they would all show up in Lexington, this little town seven thousand people, and line the streets, waving their flags, and basically, you know, just intimidate people. And, and I think it's kind of important to note that um, most of them aren't even from this area. There, a couple of them are, but they kind of come from all over. So the town's like really sort of being—I mean, to use the language they like to use—being invaded um, um, by people from all over you know, mostly the South, I guess with this sort of agenda. So, I mean, that's been going on for four or five years. And then another couple of years ago, uh, Washington and Lee, the university here, um, decided to take, um, all its Confederate flags out of the chapel. You know, also probably makes perfect sense. Those guys got really mad about that because that's where Robert E. Lee is buried underneath the chapel. So they, so because of that, like Lexington sort of became, you know, this flashpoint, um, So they had their parade as normal last January, uh, 2016, and when they all left town, people found um, KKK flyers. They were in the local library. They were left in people's mailboxes. um, Oh, that's a federal crime. Yeah, all over town. So it was um, a local group started by a a couple local ministers, I think, formed to kind of you know um, fight racism um, and. Uh, form as an like organizing point for people to get together and like you know stand up to that kind of stuff. Um, they had a rally in a city park um, last spring that um, was heckled by someone driving by in a car yelling KKK stuff. Um, so things have just been getting crazier and crazier. And then that group that was formed uh, sort of outmaneuvered the um, Confederate flagger people this year by applying very early for a parade permit to hold an MLK parade. On MLK weekend, because you know, as crazy as that is, um, on the same day that those guys used to, you know, have an actual permit to parade through town with their flags. so they got really mad about that because you know now they not only you know are they can they not hold, hang their flags from city lights posts anymore? Now they can't even have their parade. Um, so they there started to be a lot of chatter, pretty openly online. I mean, I used to I was, it was sort of gone. Uh, lurking in their little groups to read what they were talking about and they were talking about recruiting people from all over the place to come and disrupt the mlk parade and so i mean i wanted to walk in that parade anyway and um uh i remember like i thought really early on like wow if this was in portland timbers army would totally be part of this and then i thought well you know why can't we be part of it um and so i talked to a couple other people who kind of lead our little group um Catherine Crowley, um, Scott Buehler and uh, Najeeb Shouaf, um, and asked them if they were interested in doing something. And they were. Um, and then we contacted um, Sheba Timbers Army back in Portland. And because we wanted to run it by the board there and make sure like, Hey, is it okay if we like march as Timbers Army? And, they were like, not only can you do it, like we want you to do it, especially though. I remember she sent me an email the day after the election and she was like, "Now we really want you guys to do it. Um, <laughs> they sent us, um, they sent I us flags
0: for a second. Uh, How far was in the making? When did you apply for like, when did you get the idea for this?
2: The parade permit happened. I want to say late summer, early fall. And I'm not part, I mean, I'm a member yeah. of that group, but I wasn't, I'm not part of that. The sure. people who organized a parade, um, late fall or something like, or I'm sorry, like late summer, early fall, something like that. And then you know, I immediately started thinking about us participating after that. Cause they were, sure. they kind of put a call out to like, Hey, you know, to everybody in town, like bring your group, like you know, your, bring your, you know, dance troupe or your, you know, photography club or whatever. Um, and you know, Timbers Army is the group that I, you know, most involved with. So that's how that started. Um, and you know, sort of philosophically, uh, we came at this from a, a number of different angles. Like we didn't, we thought that soccer was like sort of, it was, it went beyond just the fact that that's what we care about. We thought it's sort of like this really interesting and fitting metaphor for, for this sort of thing, because I mean, soccer's had its own problems with racism and still does. And especially in Europe um, and you know, tribalism. Um, but at the same time, it's also the most widely played and watched sport in the world. You know, and so it's like, you know, and there are like, you know, superstar players from, you know, pretty much every inhabited continent on the planet. You know, so it's like sort of this we saw it as this sort of symbol of like people actually being able to be loyal to, you know, be sort of tribalistic in a sense, but also come together for something that unites all of us, you know. Um, And so we had this idea that it wouldn't just be. Us, that we would recruit as many soccer fans and players as possible and sort of create this sort of symbolic like rainbow, I guess, if, if you will, like uh, by having people wear um, jerseys and scarves and things like that. So it was really important to us from the beginning that it wasn't just us. And so um, we, we put out a call to um, people all over the league and we had, you know, tons of people um, send the scarves that like hand out to kids to wear um, Columbus crew again, the actual, the front office was the only front office in the league that actually responded to us. And, you know, they sent us a kit to give away to a kid, which was really cool. And, um, you know, Greg Wallace at, um, MLS got involved and that's how we got this article that was on MLS, the MLS website. And Scott Beeler was like really the, he was the driving force of getting, you know, this, um, covered. I mean, that was his thing. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it was great at, at the end of the, so at the end of the day, um, there were, I would say, you know, seven or eight of us from Blue Ridge Rangers, but then maybe another thirty or forty people, just representing other you know, other teams. Um, we had the entire Washington and Lee men's soccer team and their coach walk with us. Um, you know, uh, people there wearing scarves from you know kits all over the, the league and the world. And um, um, a friend of mine who's from Argentina is a huge fan. He was there wearing his uh, Argentina kit. Um, and it was cool because then I just happened to see other people just walking in the crowd wearing soccer scarves. Like, I didn't know who they were. They didn't, we weren't even walking with us, they were just like kind of scattered in the crowd. And I mean, I guess the important thing at the end of the day is this parade that they were estimating to have like, I think they said 300 to 500 people participating it ended up being about 1,000. And the Flagger people were, they, were not in sight at all. They didn't even show up until the very end. They kind of started coming out of the woodwork. Um, and then they had their own little parade later that day. And I think people counted like maybe a hundred. So um, we, I mean, I think that the parade, very, you know, was really important in kind of driving them off if only for a day, you know um, I'm sure they'll be back, but I mean, it's just, it, it was important to me that, I mean, I know we had some people come from, surrounding cities like Richmond and Roanoke and places like that. But it really was the local people by and large who marched in the MLK parade as opposed to the flagger parade later that day that, you know, were people from definitely from way out of town. So obviously we didn't, you know, solve racism on parade or anything like that, but like every, it was important. I think that everyone kind of stood up and, you know, picked a side.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, I think it's just, I mean, you, you said it, but like, it's just this is such a time where it's so important that we realize the intersectionality of sport and politics and um, how really we have, there's a new voice for bigotry and racism and homophobia and every kind of, you know, fear really that exists. And it's so important that we we have these communities and we are so lucky to be a part of the Timbers Army where they are more than welcome and often urge People to get involved and uh, do something so cool like this, two thousand miles away or whatever from Portland, and um, it's it's just so cool. When I, you know, saw you guys planning for this, I was like, we
2: got to get eric on immediately. Um, well, so. I mean, I I loved that. I mean, we all got our our membership packets in the mail this week. And like right there, you know, there's in big, huge letters on the you know, the the information that was in there is like what Timbers Army stands for against segregation, inequality and things like that. And I think, I mean, that's what makes me, I mean, I'm proud to be a part of Timbers Army just because I'm from Portland, you know, but I'm really, really proud to like, you know, be associated with the group just because we stand for a lot more than just, you know, supporting the soccer team. And that's awesome.
1: Totally. We're lucky to have it. And uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's something that we need to. You know, I don't want to get on people's turf, but I feel like there's a lot of places. I th- you know, I'm in DC, and I get a lot of DC games, and there's no not not the same culture that exists outside of the tailgate, and I think it's something that MLS is such a perfect place because MLS fans look, we support a league that it gets a lot of shit, and we support a sport that gets a lot of shit, and so we already kind of have the yeah. <laughs> inferiority yeah. complex to a certain extent, um, and but we make up for it by realizing how important it is to be inclusive, and um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for illness clubs and supporters groups to cultivate that as kind of a safe place to meet friends and know people that, you know, are going to agree with, not necessarily agree with you politically, but agree with you that everybody um, deserves a right to watch the same sport and be the same person that they that they want to be, so...
2: Right, absolutely.
0: Yeah, Drew said that pretty, uh, pretty flawlessly. I can't really improve on anything you just said. So Man, I hear jump,
1: that all the time.
0: And... <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, Drew.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, how about a harsh transition to Timbers News? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we can move on to that. Um... So I guess we should probably start with some of the signings we've had recently. We did add a few more players since me and uh, me and Drew recorded last. Uh, we added Chance Myers on the back line. Uh, on face value, I'm really happy with our back line right now. It all looks to be, like, we have depth in every position. Like, not just one guy, but, like, sometimes three deep. Um, obviously, the center back positions look a bit uh, inexperienced. Uh, if anyone saw the game last night, there's clearly no communication between Clark and Iroquoia. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, but that's, it's something that, you know, don't read into that. It's the first game, it's the first time they've played together. But it just says, there's not really, without a guy like Ridgewell back there with them, there's not a lot of uh, leadership, I would say.
1: Yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting to see, because Gleason was out too, Ridgewell didn't play, so this, I think the team didn't make a comment, but I think Safe to assume that they probably weren't playing because of the DUI situation that is still unresolved. Um, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but, uh, but yeah, I think I think our defense is deeper than it's ever been um, since we joined MLS. I think uh, there's especially at center back, like you said, there's a lot of unknowns, right? So Roy Miller has a reputation that's when he never really played center back and for the Red Bulls when he was here before. Um, Aracoyo, we have you know. Pretty much no experience seeing, was you know what? Last night was the most we've seen him play in a Timber's uniform, I think. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Ridgewell's may be suspended. It's unclear what his situation is going to be like. Clark, very young. Um, wow. So, and you know, we resigned a Kugo who can be some depth there as well. It's one of, it, I think we're deep. How, you know, how good our first team is is still up in the air. Um,
0: this is also the reason I like Chance Myers coming in. I mean, he's an yeah. experienced, um, very well praised by the uh, SKC guys. Um, and I, I think he can bring some stability back there. If something would happen to Powell, I wouldn't feel bad with him coming in.
1: Totally. Um, I mean, it does, I think it does spill a little lack of confidence in Valentine, who I thought did fine as our backup outside back last season. But, but I think Chance Myers, he's a starting quality outside back.
0: Um, I think the only reason why, I mean, Valentine thinks that he can play in every position on the back line. Therefore, I think you kind of want to have a dedicated outside back. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, uh I think we're going to learn a lot in the preseason about how well this, this crew mixes. And, you know, I don't, it's stupid to read too much into the game on Friday night, but... uh Clark and Aracoyo did not look very sturdy back there, and a lot no, of they
0: got pulled out of position a uh, time and time again.
1: Yeah, and it was, a lot of it was rust, right? Like,
0: oh, of course, again, like don't I mean it's like this is second look like that in opening tag. Yeah.
1: yeah. Any other thoughts on the back line? Uh, I think I thought McIntosh looked decent, and we have uh, Atzenella back there who didn't have much work to do, but it's uh, again, it's I think it's communication. Right, which is most important yeah. that
2: they're building right now. Yep. I, I okay, think yeah. uh, one oh, yeah. of the things that sorry, I think one of the things that makes me, I guess, both the most nervous but also the most excited about this Timbers team as compared to the the other you know, MLS ones in previous years is I think we're actually going to see some really young players get more of a run out this year and like especially at center back. I mean, because there's, I mean, given Ridgewell's injury history and plus you know the whole DUI situation, although that's resolved with him, isn't it? Well, at least <laughs> legal, <laughs> legally, legally, resolved. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, legally, you know, I think we're definitely going to see Renico Clark get some minutes this year. I mean, because yeah. there's no yeah. way that our and, and Ridgewell are going to play every single game together. And, you know, Miller's, you know, he has his, his own special history in MLS. Um, so, I mean, definitely Ren- Renko Clark, and I think, you know, I'm sort of, not to switch gears on you guys here, but, like, I wonder if we're going to see uh, Jeremy Ibevese, um up top a little bit this year, too, because if you think about it, after Adi, you know, we've got a lot of these, like, kind of, you know, forward slash winger guys, you know, like like Matt Dix and people like that, and, and then Jack Mack, who, you know, I, I like that guy for, like, the last five or ten minutes of games, but, I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't been super successful for us when he's played an entire match. I mean, you know, I wonder if we're going to, if Ibovesi going to, like, you know, see a few minutes this year. For, now that I've said that, he'll probably spend the whole year on T2. But um, so, yeah.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think he probably will spend a lot of time with T2, but I also think, and this isn't a high bar, but he's probably going to play more than any rookies the last few seasons have, have played. Yeah, to um, Nagby.
2: Yeah. yeah, Nagby was so, yeah. really, that. he was like the last, you know, guy we picked up in the draft that, like, immediately made an impact, right? Yeah.
1: Well, Pochievi, yep. I think, was the only one that got real minutes, but, um, and he was, like, a late second-round pick, which was pretty uh-huh. lucky. Um, I think that, was that the same draft we took, Beesler. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: was <laughs> it? I thought that was one before. Yeah. Kind been. I don't know. A couple years ago.
1: The draft is very hit or miss.
0: So, not talking to the midfield, we also re-signed Mobi and we brought back Dairon Espria. Uh Didn't see that coming, to be honest with you. I thought he was gone. I think, you know, Timbers have a history of loaning guys out, and we don't see them again. Um, There have been reports out of Columbia that he didn't really gel. The manager didn't see him as a first-team option. Um, So we brought him back. I I mean, clearly, because we're looking for a DP winger, he has to be a depth piece. I I I mean, assuming we get Blanco, I don't particularly see him making into the starting lineup, I don't mean...
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's probably starting as our maybe probably our backup right wing I guess we would say, right? Behind yeah, Blanco. He started the game on Friday. Um, yeah, I mean I didn't expect it either. I, I He's so inconsistent, but when he's at his best he's really good as we can all remember from the playoffs two years ago. Yeah. Um, I think he's a good depth piece, and apparently he's really happy to be back in Portland. So that's a yeah. good sign because things I think that's, were a little I testy uh, when he left. So maybe it was good to get some time away and uh, realize how sweet Portland is. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. I think you're right, though. I think he's basically our backup right wing at this point.
0: But is he like is he our backup or like our two point five three like?
1: Well, I guess I'm assuming thinking, Blanco mean, is going to be our starting right wing.
0: Yeah, but you also have Maddox, I mean.
1: And I assume he's our backup left wing behind Nagby?
0: That's, yeah. i Then you have Barnby, too.
1: Yeah.
0: And now we have Marco Farfan.
1: Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think Farfan, I don't think Farfan's going to see any first team minutes this year. I, I, I
0: don't completely agree with that. I could see him, I, I think he's going to be, he's not going to go back to T2. I don't think he's going to be loaned down. I think he'll stay on the bench, and I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a few minutes, especially from what we saw last night. I mean, if he keeps—I mean, he played in the uh, third period. The third period, um, and he was probably the bright spot for the Timbers. He, uh, you know, he had pretty nice a few pretty nice dribbles. Uh, that being said, we weren't very organized, so not much came out of it. But he was probably the bright spot.
1: Yeah, it's 30 minutes in a preseason game. He's he may be the Shiloh Shuma. Of 2017, hey, the Franks on Go. <laughs> we do this every year. Everybody gets really excited about some young player.
0: But the, the, Drew, see, here's the difference between all of those, What you just said. We've already seen this guy with T2. We know he's a good player. I mean, we, we have tape on him. You can watch him be good. We have. Uh, this is what we've heard all week, that Caleb Porter wants 3D at just about every position he can possibly get 3D at. That doesn't mean... Our fans to see minute, but I would be shocked if he's not on the bench and he might. I mean, he might come in for, you know, the kill of the game. I wouldn't be shocked.
2: Which, I mean, considering he's like, he's like, what, 18 or something, he's right?
0: If, he's a senior yeah, in high school I mean, still.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I'd
1: I think, I think it'd be cool game. if he got a few minutes. I think it's highly unlikely,
0: but. Um, I think he'll get cup games. He'll definitely get cup games. I'd be shocked if he just get cup games.
1: Yeah, that's You're probably right. Yeah.
0: Uh,. Uh, and, yeah, we uh, we brought back a kugo as well, uh, that's I have no problem with that. We didn't see too much of him last year, but, you know, he's a you know, good defensive midfielder, can also play center back, so we've got more depth at both those positions. I don't I mean, I don't have a problem with it.
1: Is this the deepest the Timbers have ever started a season?
0: Yes, uh,
1: very much yes. You have, like, you know, backups at every position that are decent? I mean, it's crazy. I, I mean, that was our probably our biggest weakness last year, right? Like... Yeah, There were many games where Porter didn't even use his full allotment of subs because it was going to have to be, I don't know, Barmy or, <laughs> I don't yeah. know,
2: who was our third sub of a lot of games, I guess.
0: Yeah, you could point to every position yeah. and say, like, you know, we got this guy, this guy, and this guy. Yeah.
2: So. Do you guys think, given how packed the midfield looks right now, which is great, do you guys, and where do you guys think we see Barnby this year? I mean, do we see him getting minutes in midfield or more back at left back?
0: I think midfield, probably. Yeah. Um, unless we get bit by the injury bug pretty hard, I don't see yeah. him him going back to the back line.
1: Yeah, I imagine him making a lot of benches and rarely playing. That's yeah. kind of my guess for him. Because, um, I, I mean, I still put him behind Maddox.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You have to. Maddox is just more dynamic going forward.
1: Yeah. I'm actually sort of surprised they
0: extended his contract,
1: but um, I guess he's probably not super expensive.
0: You have with are you saying with um, Maddox or no Barnby? Barnby, uh, I think they see an upside because he's still he's twenty one.
1: Yeah.
0: So I mean, you can totally you know bleed him in the system for another year, get him a couple minutes here or there if you can, and then you know maybe next year something happens and you need another wing player, there you go.
1: And like I said, he's probably cheap. So.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine he's super taking up a super huge cap hit. But so we also have Blanco watch, which is the new hashtag I've seen in the past couple couple of days. Uh, reports are this is gonna happen.
1: Looking more and more likely.
0: And yeah. Jeff Carlo tweeted out just before the we started recording that uh, it's not done, but it looks very likely. Uh, probably for the tune of somewhere close to four million dollars, not five, that's been reported. And his salary is probably close to one point
1: three. And that one point three is part of the four, right?
0: That's that's
1: because that was a rumor for a while that it was part of, but I don't know if that's changed. I I mean, that's pretty. How much did we pay for Milano? Uh,
0: we paid four for Milano, didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. So about the same. I mean, the obviously the difference here is that uh, Blanco is supposed to be more of a finished product, right? He's twenty eight already. Hopefully, we'll be more of an instant contributor than Milano was.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Blanco seems to be the uh, finished product of what we wanted Milano to be.
2: Right, right.
0: Um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything in this about that 1.3 being a part of the 4 million-esque, but...
1: Mm. Yeah, but I mean that makes sense, right? That's our DP spot, yeah. then. Um,
0: uh, are you... Can, I mean, I, I know we... I think we're still a bit um, weary of... Not showing up the cash when necessary because we lost, uh, Bernadetto to Club America in 2014-13. Uh, but do you think this guy's worth $4 million?
1: I have no idea. I, 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 you can only learn so much from a YouTube video.
0: (laughs) I, I understand. And I know, um, San Lorenzo's pretty high on the guy. But what seems to have driven the price up a lot is the fact that, um, Club America wanted him and I'm gonna butcher this name it's from Turkey. Yes, yeah, so that's the one. Thanks for saving me, Drew. Yeah, but it, it seems like that was, that's what drove the price up. I mean also I have the tweet open or the report open right now, but he was originally supposed to be going for close to three million. So would driven him up by upwards of four million dollars or another million and change.
2: Plus well, Seattle was looking at him last year too, so I mean that's yeah. he's more of a known commodity. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I, I just don't want us to have to deal with another subpar DP. Especially, we've seen, like, the guys like uh, Burrito Martinez for um, Salt Lake, He did Ray right Pan out. I mean, he came from Boca. So.
1: I mean, he played decently for them. He just, it sounds like he didn't fully actually. But athlete. again. He wanted to be with so his dogs.
0: Say, let's say we get similar production from Blanco. That's not $4 million. I mean, that's, not, that's definitely not a $4 million player. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm just, I'm, I mean, the, the short answer is we have no idea until we see him play, right? Like, I know. Uh, I don't know how much we played for Valeri, but I don't think expectations were especially high for them, probably lower than they are no. for Blanco. Um, and obviously he's exceeded every one of those. you know. And then there's the Chris Boyd experiment, which is kind of the opposite, where the expectations were very high and he did not come close to fulfilling them. So that's the nature of MLS, right? It's a hard league to yep. adapt to. We have, you know,
0: just, I feel like signings almost need to be. They, you almost have to get this stuff right now. I mean, if you look at the talent that's coming to the league this year, a lot of it's gotten younger, and a lot of it's, you know, more known. Even you got guys that have played in the, the top divisions and some pretty prominent Scandinavian teams. Are you have people that have been scattered by other large clubs and that we're trying to beat them out, and we are. So I mean, you can't really afford to make big mistakes anymore.
1: Yeah, it's true. The league as a whole is getting better and better, and, you know, the Saturday cap keeps going up, and the players, you know, some of them make more than $50,000 a year now, which is really exciting. Um, there's always going to be major misses, and but then you look at, like, Seattle, where they bring in Ladero at the end of the last year, and it completely turns around their season, um, yeah. and they won a cup, so it's they, a single player can still have a huge impact. Now, I'm not saying he won MLS Cup for them, but... Uh, he definitely was a huge catalyst for that, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's important, you know, in a way it's stupid to say, but, uh, you know, not messing up your transfers is, means you're probably going to have a better team.
2: <laughs> so let's talk about what will be the
0: saving grace of the 2017 Timber season. That's Freddie Adu. Which, let's be honest. He's going to come in and he just the
1: dog. Likes save.
0: Obviously. Who doesn't?
1: Wow. So, uh, Big Freddie have, Adu fan. Is that you,
2: your dog, Eric? Yeah. <laughs> She's got something to say about that. Yeah. Who doesn't?
0: Who doesn't? So, um, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know who those would be, but Freddie Doo is training with the Portland Timbers. Uh, this seems to be a favor that Cale Porter is doing for him because um, I Doo was with him with the U23s when Kale Porter was head coach of the U23s, and um, he was. He played the last period for the Timbers, and he looked bad. He looked very bad, and he looked very out of shape. Um, I I don't see any any way do gets a contract with well, Timbers.
1: Well, I think you're right. It's unlikely. I actually don't think people should poo poop this necessarily, right? Like, do you like? It wasn't. It was like four or five years ago when he was the best player on the field for the USA when we beat Spain. I think it was that game. He did. I mean. There was a time he had a gold cup where he was incredible. Um,
0: so the last cap he had was in 2011. In, what's that? The last cap he got was in 2011.
1: Okay. Yeah. In I actually US, saw, I saw him score a goal for the U.S. national team against Grenada. <laughs> Stu Holden also scored in that game. That was a long time ago. It was one of Kyle Beckerman's first caps. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh I, yeah, I mean, I think look, if he we can get a guy that is able to contribute, like he's probably going to be our fourth string winger or what? I don't even know what position he plays nowadays, but
0: exactly. I mean, he uh, was he a backup to Valerius so Nagby? He can stay in the wing because he's always wanted to be in the central. the part, I mean, that's the reason why he left Philadelphia is because he wasn't getting the keys to the car. Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, though, he's not better than Nagby, so.
1: Well, hopefully he's a little more humble than he was a few years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if we can get him for cheap, might as well take a flyer. I don't know. He's he's only 28, I think.
0: He's 26, isn't he? Is he 26? No. Is he that young? No. He's not old, the Drew. <laughs> Crap I, old. I guess,
1: yeah, if he's 26, that means he's been around for 10 years as a pro, so. Or, mo- no, 12, right? Because he was 14 when he joined MLS. But, yeah, I have a feeling that a lot oh. will be said about Freddie Adu. And he's 27.
0: Yeah, I mean, he did play for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, uh, and he got actual minutes for them. But the problem is, like, he seems to have always kind of had a, a bad attitude everywhere. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's never been a good locker room guy. And Caleb, yeah, he's, what, he's, he's had, like,
1: 10 teams in 11 years or something.
0: I mean, maybe he goes to T2?
1: I doubt he would settle for that, but who knows.
0: Well, he but Drew, I don't think he's got much of option, like.
1: Well, he might settle for Tampa Game, I think. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Maybe. The fact is, like, you, no one wants to go to the NASL right now, because that's, no one really knows what's going to happen with that league. So, I mean, it's either MLS or USL. I wish him all the
1: best, whether it's with the Timbers or elsewhere.
0: <laughs> that's, I mean, from last night, it, just, it looked like there was no, even from his individual performance, like, not as a team, but his individual performance is not good. I don't see it happening.
1: Well, I think we've already said too much about Freddie to do, personally.
0: Can can you say too much about Freddy Adu? Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure, like, entire shows can be based upon Freddy Adu.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not good ones.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, But that's really all we got for new news.
1: Cool. Uh, Well, thanks for coming on, Eric, and telling the cool story.
2: Much appreciated. Thanks Thanks for having me. This is great.
1: Of course. And uh, when are we... uh, what a what away game will we see you at next?
2: Uh, well, I'm going to be out in Portland or I can Bend actually for all of, of uh, from the end of March all through April. So I'm, I'm definitely going to miss like I was saying some of those ones that are are closer to me. But um, yeah. yeah, I think. Uh, New, i I didn't realize new york was actually after i got back so maybe at that one and montreal's late in the season right i might mm-hmm. i've been player. i've heard rumors that that's the one to go to so well, i've been to montreal a
0: few times it's fun
2: yeah you yeah, go so to I montreal. Might a, yeah
0: it's track up there it's fun yeah i recommend it
1: cool cool well all right let's do this again we'll
0: uh probably
1: try to talk about some of the rest of these friendlies that are getting played and um you know, the season will be upon us before we know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, awesome. it's coming up soon? What, six weeks? Six weeks sounds right. Oh,
1: man, hopefully the world still exists by then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, one can only hope. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> that was awkward. Yep. You can hear it all.